welcome to Amona Moment, a podcast hosted by the Museum of Northwest Art in Laconer, Washington. On October 5th, Mona hosts an exhibition opening for Eve Deicher Indicator. Eve Deicher Indicator is a retrospective exhibition featuring visual artist Eve Deicher's drawings and mixed media fiber works created from 1982 to 2015. Each of her works was an indicator of a place and time in history and an indicator of the creator's state of mind. The body of work she left behind is a testimony to creative perseverance and the need for the artist to bear witness to human struggles, both personal and universal. This exhibit is curated by her husband, Lanny Berkner. The opening event for this exhibition featured a talk by the guest curator, Lanny Berkner, and more than 100 people attended this opening event. This exhibition is very meaningful to our community in many ways, and we should and we appreciate the support of our community at this opening event. We hope you enjoy this Mona moment. Uh, I really appreciate you all being here. Uh, you know, it's, you know, Eve, Eve passed away a little over two and a half years ago. And a promise I made to her was that um, I'd like to do a book and I'd like to do an exhibition of your work. And it was one of these conversations that we had about a month and a half before she passed away. And she said, oh, that would be nice. <laughs> um, and this is the culmination of that. And I, I worked on the exhibition about a year and a half altogether. You know, initially just you know, I really couldn't do anything for the first year. Uh, and then when I finally got to doing what I needed to do, uh, you know, I started pulling out her things and really discovering a lot of work that I had never seen. Um, and so it was a real just discovery for me uh, and also understanding her better. Uh, you know, spending a year and a half you know, going through her life and also my my life that we really weren't the type of people that looked back. Uh, we were always kind of going forward, but it it forced me to look back a lot, and I think to it really helped me through my grief. Um, and I'm just glad to get at this point. Now, from here on out, I'm going to pretty much read this. <laughs> so, first I want to uh, just thank uh, uh, Joanna Sykes and Mona uh, for the opportunity to present the retrospective here at Mona. And this was our community, and uh, this is where I always wanted this exhibition. Uh, and I'm just grateful that we're able to do it. Um, Eve was my wife for 23 years, and she was my life partner for over 30 years. Uh, we dated in Philadelphia for eight years before we got married, but we were a couple during that whole time. Um, and some of you would have known uh, her as a dedicated and caring teacher who taught art at Skagit Valley College, and she did that for over 22 years. And what I want to talk to you uh, about today is her creative life and give you some insight into her unique, highly personal, and extraordinary body of work she created over a span of 33 years. This is a body of work that remained largely unseen. You know, I know some of you saw bits and pieces of her work over the years, but uh, especially the work in Philadelphia, other than the friends that came out from Philadelphia that are here today, uh, really hadn't seen any of that. And when, um, when I began the process of going through Eve's artwork and documents uh, following her death, January 30th, 2017, uh, this was a year later, let's go back. Um, <laughs> we're going to move that fast. Uh, I realized how much I didn't know about her, uh, including the spelling of her name, Daisha. You know, she spelled it D-E-I-S-H-E-R, right? Well. And when I met her, uh, she introduced herself as Eve Logren, with Deicher being her middle name. And, but she, and she ended up taking Deicher on as her art name. 
But going through her things, I found her birth certificate and social security card. <laughs> and her middle name uh, on those cards was spelled D-E-Y-S-H-E-R. And she never mentioned this to me, nor should I know any reason why she changed her name, the spelling of her name. But it's always been, it's been a curiosity to me why she did that. And, but I suspect Eve will always be a bit of a mystery. Uh, she was quiet, introspective, and kept much to herself. Eve was born December 18, 1954 in Bryn Mawr, Pennsylvania, a suburb of Philadelphia. Eve was an only child of John and Alma May Rocky Logren. And Rocky always, or Alma May always introduced herself as Rocky. She was uh, raised in Bryn Mawr in a home built for, by her father who was a contractor. And that was a family home. But it was actually a duplex. It looks bigger than it actually was. <laughs> she, they lived on the, the left side there. He was an alcoholic and died of lung cancer when Eve was 11 years old. Her fondest memories of him was where he, when he would take her sailing. Her mother, Alma May, pursued a short-lived singing and modeling career and enjoyed archery and painting. She was a pretty strong-headed woman, actually. Uh, she was a lifelong Republican NRA member. Uh, she loved John Wayne movies and was a devout Christian scientist. She never remarried after E's father passed away. That's Rocky there. Not the one on the left, the one on the right. <laughs> uh, but Eve loved the animals, so a lot of the family photographs, she's either holding a cat or a dog, or, you know, she just loved animals. And actually, you know, she liked animals more than people. <laughs> That's just a little, little insight. <laughs> In Eve's child, early childhood, prior to her father's death, the family attended dinner parties with friends and relatives who worked in the movie and theater industry. There was a family connection to film uh, actor and director Joshua Logan, I keep hitting the wrong thing here, uh, who directed such movies as Bus Stop and South Pacific. And this is a picture of uh, Baraki on the left and Eve on the right on Joshua Logan's 80-foot yacht. Although only a child, she remembered those parties, which included such people as experimental film director and actor John Cassavetes. This helped establish a passionate early interest in theater, film, and dance. In 1970, Eve and her mother moved to England. Eve's father had dreamed of sending her to school in Europe. Alma May fulfilled that dream by enrolling Eve at Claremont in Surrey, England, an independent school for girls. And she's in the middle of that image there, three rolls back. And that school was founded by Christian scientists. And she attended uh, there uh, at Claremont until, well, 1970 1972. And these were two drawings she did while she was going to school there. After attending Claremont, Eve enrolled at Epson School of Art and Design in Surrey, England, where she studied art from 1972 to 1973. And this is a little watercolor that she did during that time at Epson. And Eve had fond memories of her time there. Uh, she was 18 years old, immersed in art studies, going to pub meetings with instructors, listening to the music of David Essex and T-Rex, and going to London with friends with the hope of running into British rock stars. It was the early 70s, an exciting time for a creative American girl to be a teen in England. The time in England came to an end in 1973 when Eve and her mother moved back to the United States. Actually, their money ran out, so they had to move back to the States. Uh, they returned to the family home in Bryn Mawr. Uh, since Eve didn't have a transferable high school degree, Eve's mother enrolled her in Daycroft, a Christian science boarding school in Greenwich, Connecticut, to finish her high school education. Eve graduated from Daycroft in 1975. She hated it there. Uh, you know, she was a, an older high school student with younger, you know, students, and uh, she just was, had a miserable time of it. But what she did do when she was there, she was able to take a travel to Israel 
and she spent two months doing volunteer archaeological excavation work at Caesarea, Israel. And this is a photograph of that time period. In 1975, Eve enrolled at Virginia Commonwealth University in Richmond, Virginia. She received her BFA in art history at VCU in 1981 and continued on in the museum studies program until 1984. However, she did not complete her MA degree. Uh, this is an image of her at, uh, it's either at the Virginia Museum or the Institute of Contemporary Art. That's, those are the two places she worked part-time while she was going to school. And that really isn't her boyfriend on the left, but uh, I just thought it was a great photograph. Uh, early in 1984, it, Eve was still living in Richmond in, in an apartment shared by her mother. And this is her in that apartment. And then in, later in 1984, they moved back to the family home in Bryn Mawr. With Eve, it was always kind of a package deal with, because uh, she was an only child and it was with her mother. And anyway, it was, I got them both. Uh, uh, let's see. Now these are some works when, uh, in, from 1982 to 1984, and some of these images aren't actually downstairs, a few are, but I wasn't able to use all those uh, pieces down the exhibition. But uh, she was doing drawings outside of the university setting at this point. And, this is, and she was especially interested in dance poses and dance movement, uh, so there's several drawings uh, of figures and dance Kind of poses, and this is the one with the, the the body type there reminds me of Eve. So I think she kind of used herself in this image, although she never ever had red hair, as far as I know. <laughs> and this uh, this is one of those discoveries of going through someone's life that you know they don't necessarily show you all this stuff, but uh, this drawing. De uh, depicts Eve with her back turned, uh, calling her bo or boyfriend Murray, who had moved to Tribeca in New York City. And so it's dealing with that. Um, and this fragmented composition, done probably 83, uh, signifies a compositional approach she will use in much of her later work. Uh, the individual vignettes suggest a narrative, but one not easily deciphered. This work is the first time she used dark vertical slats as a compositional device. Uh, the, she thought of these as stage flats that they use in theater. Uh, she had a keen interest in theater and performance art. She especially admired the plays of Sam Shepard, who I think she actually had a crush on too. <laughs> she would talk about Sam quite a bit. Uh, and theater uh, director Robert Wilson and various contemporary performance artists such as Rachel Rosenthal. And this is called Looking for Daddy. Uh, she used that figure of the, the piano tie guy in an earlier image too, which is downstairs. And by 1984, Eve was beginning to work larger uh, and still working, using dance poses and stuff. And some of these pieces aren't downstairs, but I have about four or five, so I only picked one for the show. To work out drawing ideas, Eve would make lists, and that's how she conceptualized things. Uh, this was the, the beginning um, of a drawing that she did, so it had to do with dancers. Eve um, took ballet classes, um, and she did that quite a lot. Uh, she was also fascinated with modern dance, and she even became a booking agent for Zero Moving Dance Company for a year after returning to live in Philadelphia in 1984. Uh, there she is, taking dance class. So now she moved back to Philadelphia, and, 
And this piece marks the beginning of a new direction in her drawings that would last nearly 10 years. Central to the work was a compositional device of using black stage flats, social commentary, her personal feelings, and a mysterious narrative are also important to this new body of work. And she also started to use images of herself in her work. Uh, at first she saw that as a way of capturing a pose she was gonna use. And there's even, there's one document I have downstairs in the case in the bottom right-hand corner. Is, it mentions about using herself, but it also says you know, that she wanted to use a model and wouldn't it be boring if I always used myself? Well, she ended up doing uh, just that for about 10 years and thank goodness she did because it's a real important part of the work. And when I say here Eve wrote, that's basically I'll be saying what she wrote in a journal or somewhere I have it documented. So in this case, Eve wrote. <laughs> I title all my work, no entitled work. It's theater, really. Actually, the title is what some of my work is about. For myself, our art works best when I integrate my thinking with fine arts, theater, dance, music, etc. <coughs> I feel this makes me a very rich, this gives me a very rich and strong base to work from. That is why I will, you see all the, all this flats across my drawing, long black rectangles. Eve wrote this uh, particular quote in her journal, the one coming up. Otto demanded that the stage create a bloodstream of images, a bleeding spirit of images in the poet's head, in the spectators as well. Theater, he insisted, must become directly, sensually expressive rather than merely realistic. The audience must be engulfed, attacked, and changed by the spectacle rather than politely entertained. Eve was not into politely entertaining. <laughs> This is her in 1986. She was hired as an administrative assistant at the Fleischer Art Memorial in Philadelphia. This is where we met. I was hired as a gallery coordinator soon after that. We worked there for eight years and got married in 1994, shortly before moving to Washington. In this early self-portrait, Eve used motifs symbolizing memories from her childhood and current objects that were meaningful to her. The planes ref referred to her mother, who early in life learned how to fly and got her pilot's license. The sailboats referred to her father, who used to take Eve sailing. The one earring was a gift from me, and the scarf was a piece of winter attire she regularly wore. The self-portrait also offered a reverential reference to the works of one of Eve's favorite artists, Frida Kahlo. Her drawings were now large, dark, and dealing with social injustice, Eve wrote. This is dedicated to any person who is willing to die for their beliefs and to their commitment to a cause. I like, my f I like to float my figures and objects, not have them so earthbound. This piece was exhibited in Beyond Aesthetics, Artwork of Conscience at the Alternative Museum in New York City in, in 1981, Eve wrote. Over and over I use boats, ladders, and planes as symbols of escaping. Fences, gates, steel doors are used as prisons, both physical and mental. Eve wrote as her artist statement for the exhibition. I draw to mark an emotional narrative scene using the human form as a vessel to express conflicts, fears, struggles, differences, desires, and choices. I attempt to make visual uncomfortable or disturbing human behavior that is veiled by the structure of society. These fragments and divisions that make up the human race vibrate around us, embedded one within the other, they produce our environment. Uh, the two figures are myself, the one reaching up, and Eve. Uh, she reused the image of herself that in a previous drawing in case of an emergency. And she'll do that at times. She'll kind of reuse images. They howl, we are harmful to each other, Eve wrote. You will notice that I try to use a multiracial cast of figures. That's what I see around me on a daily basis. I find all those differences, different features very interesting. 
I use open mouths, screaming, howling, crying, clenched fists, or claw hands. The open mouth figures are either representing warnings, acting as sirens, or they're at the height of emotional output. I, like, I don't like the idea of my people being silent. They're communicating or, and performing. They are not content. If one of my figures does not have a mouth hole, it is representative of death or the unconscious. Hearing five black angels, Eve wrote, I always try to use three or two or one of the elements of fire, water, earth. Fire, trial by imagination, sparks. Water, all important, purifying. Survival, two-thirds of the earth. Tears, urine, fetuses surrounded by water. Earth, dirt, soil, growth, dust to dust. I like its textures, the way it feels. Uh, that's Eve with her outstretched hands and open mouth. This is the photograph she used for the drawing. Her interest in theater, dance, and performance art really came out in her photo studies. When Eve first moved back to Philadelphia, she took a few acting classes at Villanova University. However, she didn't pursue acting because she developed <laughs> stage fright. In the privacy of my studio, she was acting a part. I just had to snap the photograph. I loved seeing her in costumes. Run amok with little tangled desires, Eve wrote. My confusion, questions, and general vision of the world is documented in my drawings. They are a collection of fragmented events within the human condition. I combine two levels of human behavior. The, the macrocosm of world events and the microcosm of personal thoughts. Run amok with little tangled desires is a mix of the awful issue of child abuse plus my personal thoughts of responsibility toward a child. That's the photo study for Run amok. She whispered fear of numbers. I always smile when I see this drawing even though there are some pretty horrific things going on in the imagery. Eve interjected her personal feelings into all of her work, and in this case, few people knew, knew that Eve literally had the fear of numbers. It was probably a learning disability and was a source of anxiety for her. And this is an example of the list making she used to do when she conceptualized uh, pieces. The rattle before the crack, Eve wrote. There is seepage in, of evil in America that breeds very ignorant ideas. It is running amok with increasing speed. There is a disease. There is dis-ease in the atmosphere. America makes me quiver. Minds have been contaminated, polluted, poisoned. Pride has been replaced by dishonor. We are harmful to each other. Kind of reminds me of this time, too. <laughs> Eve is the one crawling on the bottom left-hand corner. And this is the study, a photo study for that piece. <coughs> and dervishes, uh, Eve again used the image of herself with the outstretched hands and open mouths. And you'll... Uh, Notice down in the gallery, when you, when you look at this piece, there'll be a poem on the left-hand side of it. And it crypt, cryptically relates to the drawing. Uh, and it's a real interesting poem. And Eve, Eve wrote about five kind of poem texts for her pieces that I had never seen. And so it was a real discovery for me, because my understanding of her was she wrote lists and didn't really write sentences about her work. But in this case, you know, these are pretty long poems and very interesting. Uh, this is an installation view of soldiers. Uh, I have the, most of the piece downstairs, which is the one on the wall. I don't have the lower part as part of the installation downstairs. And this was exhibited in Viewpoints One, a solo exhibition of her work at the Paley Design Center in Philadelphia, uh, College of Science and Textiles. And that was the first one-person show she had and really the only one-person show she had. 
was there. And thank goodness she had to do a lecture and she wrote down a lot of stuff for that lecture. So it provided me with a lot of information, which I was very grateful for. And this piece was inspired by Desert Storm. Thou shalt not be afraid uh, for the terror by night, nor the arrow that flieth by day, uh, 1992. And toward the end of her time in Philadelphia, Eve was working more with mixed media, sculptural relief, and installation art. In this piece, she combined drawing figures with felt, tea bags, coffee grounds, and other uh, mixed media natural materials. And there is Eve. Uh, and there she is on the high dive. And Eve seldom did larger figure drawing studies. In this case, she did. And they're, I just think they're gorgeous drawings. But these are really the only two I found that she did kind of a larger drawing. And it's interesting that, you know, she did these from photographs, uh, very refined here, and then a little more minimally done for the actual drawing itself uh, to, you know, you know, the very conscious decision. This mixed media work was in <clears throat> Viewpoint One exhibition, and it has multiple images of Eve in it. And unfortunately, this is the one piece I don't have. Uh, I really wish I did, and I have no idea what happened to it. But I do have the, the photographs that she took, or we took for that. But it's a really interesting piece. And these are some of the, the photo studies for I've Got You Under My Skin. And this was an installation she did uh, in, at Rutgers University. Uh, Undercurrents was the name of the exhibition. And it featured nine artists whose work focused on the beauty and vulnerability of the world's aquatic ecosystems. It was held at the Stedman Gallery, Rutgers University. And these are some of the photo studies for that. And yeah, that's me over there too. Yeah, she used to, yeah, she used to dress me up sometimes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> or undress me sometimes. The, you know, usually it was like my arms or might be a head or leg or feet, things like that. But this case, it was a little more. But it was always fun, and I enjoyed it all that. This is around the same time, and this isn't Eve's work, but I just really like the photograph. Uh, that is Eve on the right-hand side. And the, the guy on the left is Jonas Dos Santos, and he's a performance artist in Philadelphia. And he'll make all his own costumes and everything and do various performances. And this was at Yellow Springs, and I just love the costuming and stuff that, that Jonas would do. But Eve got involved in performing. And this is Eve at the Fleischer Art Memorial, getting near the time when we left Philadelphia. And, and there are two people here that would probably know that that's Nancy Wright. Uh, she worked as the education person at Fleischer. The Dweller is the last piece she did before leaving Philadelphia. And this is the photo study for The Dweller. And this is taken in my loft in Philadelphia. Um, and there's a, another poem text that goes with this piece that's on the right-hand side of the actual piece downstairs. And now we move to Washington State. There's Eve. But I was trying to figure out, I, at first when I saw this, I thought this was Anacortes, but it's not, I don't think. Does anyone know where this is? It looks like <laughs> the road of the ferry. It's on 12th, looking down. I think, okay, all right. Yeah, at first I wasn't real sure. Um, okay, on May 23rd, 1994, we got married. And I left for Washington State uh, two weeks later to build a house and studio. And Eva and her mother joined me in December of that year. This was a piece uh, called uh, Returning Again and Again to Bed. And it was most likely conceptualized in Philadelphia, but created in Washington State. So it's a transitional piece. Uh, she used her body, uh, you know, there are photographs that were taken uh, of her in the new studio here in Washington State. 
And these are kind of detailed shots of the, the photographs and then the drawing that she did of the photograph with some added things. But it's just a really fascinating piece to me. Very complex. And she also wrote about five pages about this kind of a text poem that is also on exhibit downstairs with the piece, as well as some accompanying just notes and little sketches about it. So she put a lot of thought into this. This is the last piece she did where she used a photograph of her entire body as an image for drawing. She included two chicken feathers attached like wings on the back of the figure. Undoubtedly, the feathers came from, shed from one of our, our new pet hens. This is the photo study for that piece. She was starting to use more natural materials in her work, and they were becoming less drawing-based. Uh, here she used tea bags, money plant, and chicken feathers. This piece is in the collection of the Anacortes Arts Festival. And so there's a real transition from a urban environment in Philadelphia and then the rural environment here. And it really shows in her work. And yeah, there, we embrace the new lifestyle. <laughs> uh, we did borrow the kid. Uh, Don, you'll, you'll, you'll know who this is. Uh, that's Chad. He's much, much bigger now. Um, but I, I just really like that photo. That's our old chicken coop. no longer with us. And this is a, a photograph of Eve. Uh, we had a garden party at the art garden with Patty Detzer, who's also no longer with us. Hidden Sorrows was an example of how fiber-oriented Eve's work had become. The charcoal and pencil drawing foundation, which was more evident in earlier work, was now limited in Hidden Sorrows to just the shrouded head of Eve. Increasingly, her interest shifted to fiber mixed media and its accompanying textures, colors, and transparencies. The chicken feather, uh, oh, yeah, the feather is a chicken feather. Uh, Eve and I started raising small flocks of pet hens shortly after moving to the Northwest and continued to do so for over 20 years. The feather is from Kiki, an Arakanan hen that Eve was particularly fond of. Sadly, the coyote, uh, coyote took the hen and only feathers remained. <coughs> she loved gold fabric. In heads, she also added embroidered lines and small pieces of bling to each charcoal drawn head and she embellished, uh, and she embellished the fabric with chandelier rods of clear glass. She still used herself as a model, but only parts of herself her hands, feet, head. Here she covered her head with black nylon hose. The photograph is gridded to provide reference points for the final drawing. Mother and daughter depicts Eve on the right and her mother, Alma May, on the left. Rocky lived with us for 10 years prior to her entering a nursing facility due to dementia. Eve witnessed her mother's long, steady mental decline, which gave her fear that she could genetically be prone to the disease. She used tufts of her own hair glue to paper tabs on the side of each head. The hands were rendered from photographs taken of Eve's and her mother's hands. Eve was fascinated with elk and took a trip to swim with a friend where she observed an elk herd. The resulting constellation-like cardboard and paper constructions was, only, was one of only a few 3D sculptural works she created, and all were done here in the Northwest. Eve wrote, drawing is my foundation. Exploring the combining of paper, fabric, and sewing in my work, I moved between two-dimensional to relief and three-dimensional formats. I equally love the mark or line of charcoal and thread. I like to combine the effects of shadow, translucency, and layering. In this drawing uh, fiber work, Eve used digital technology to replicate the nine emaciated figures radiating like spokes out from the center of the composition. 
This time-consuming digital process was in sharp contrast to the laborious process of hand sewing thousands of French knots and cut fabric, uh, felt fabric shapes. The piece took months to create and did many of her works. Eve wrote, Memories act as protection, a shelter. Memory systems keep us alive under threat. The unconscious memory system systems are tucked away until it tells us we need them for survival. Then it pulls then it pulls them out to the front where we cannot ignore them. These memories trigger the safety of survival reactions. I see the process and materials as a structure which is woven, such as paper and fabric. The stitch also weaves, weaves under and over, or at times hidden and visible. I weave current day events with personal thoughts. After I have drawn, cut, and stitched my imagery together, it may appear to have both visible and hidden meanings. Skyward, Eve wrote. This work represents a rebirth. Three mythological dancers that are half human and half bird pull up dead sunflowers from below. They are trying to draw them toward heaven to nurture them with water. The snake symbol refers to water and riverways, which pertains to life. The mountain forms of gold reference water runoff and rain. Eve would sometimes use magazine images as drawing reference material for her work. Here she appropriated a magazine image of dancers, but in the drawing she put chicken feet on them. Breathe, Eve wrote. This work is about the idea to breathe or be able to breathe. Whether it is an environmental or physical health issue, fear can also fibrillate our breathing. I started with the image of what actually gives us oxygen, a tree form. The tree form combined with the human anatomy of lungs, which also looks like branches or roots are juxtaposed with a dress, snaps, collar, as well as a skirt of stitched leaves. Newbie was a pet runner duck we raised. Eve was struck by the duck's upright posture and comical mannerisms, which inspired her most whimsical work, Newbie Dreaming of Noguchi. <laughs> there is Eve and Newbie. Uh, Eve and I took a trip to Montana in 2013, and we explored some abandoned mining areas. The trip inspired her to make shadow structures, which is this piece here. Eve wrote, The three fiber works are titled Shadow Structures. The sewn image structure is called a frame head, which was used in coal minings to lower and lift people and equipment into the coal mines. Some of these structures, although abandoned, still remain in the landscape today as ghostly reminders of the coal mining industry's history. Some regions have kept and maintained these structures to identify their cultural heritage in coal mining. They take a celebratory approach, decorating them with lights, creating museums and memorials. Others focus on the damage caused to the environment. I find these two opposing concepts engaging and very interesting as visual ideas to work with. Ancient knowledge features small black and green felt dinosaurs and layers of overlapping fabric circles with ginkgo leaves sewing between the sheer material. It is now part of the art collection of Hannah Cordes High School. Indicator. Uh, Susan Smith Arnay uh, was a writer for Fiber Arts Magazine, uh, wrote an article about, and it was actually about both Eve and I, but uh, she did write this particular bit about indicator of this piece. It is emphatically specific to its place in time. It is a cross between superhero and mythological god of the environment. Silhouetted in black felt, indicator tests the waters of toxicity and watches the birds. 
Like the fabled canaries in the mine, stellar jays incorporate levels of mercury, also known as quicksilver. The raucous warning cry of these sentinels of the forest is in danger of being silenced as they become increasingly tangled in environmental disaster. Eve Lovebirds, uh, this is an installation view from an exhibition at Gallery Cygnus in 2014. And this, that was the first time that Eve and I really showed together. It was a two-person show. Eve wrote, The posture and gesture of the human figure as pedestrian or dancer is, a, is the focus of my work. Over the years, bird imagery has been included. Both bird and human behavior expressed in the movement of, arm, of an arm, wing, tilt of a head, curling of a hand, human foot, or bird foot expresses both psychological and physical landscapes. It is how I read the conflicts between beauty, danger, fear, decay, love, destruction, survival, and even humor and dread. Uh, she also used a bird imagery in Danger Zone. Uh, it was a solar plate etching she did for portfolio prints from 18 Skagit women artists. Uh, there's a portfolio in the collection of the museum. Eve was diagnosed with cancer in November 2014. Here she is working on the study for forest moonlight. Uh, she was undergoing radiation treatment at the time. This is the finished study for forest moonlight. I want you to note the abstract white shapes surrounding the central hole of the composition. Eve wrote, this rural environment of density, darkness, mist, and mystery fuels my exploration of these landscapes. Chaos and order exist in a visual web of imagery within the work. Often my mixed media artworks refer to the duality of humans and nature within a psychological environment. Forest Moonlight was her last major work. It was created in 2015 for the exhibition Here and There, Topographical Conversations with Morris Graves, and was exhibited at the Morris Graves Museum of Art uh, in June and July of 2015 and at the Museum of Northwest Art um, in 2016. Uh, the exhibition was conceived and organized by Anne Chadwick Reed. Eve completed the work while undergoing chemotherapy for lung cancer that eventually spread to her brain. It is poignant how Eve turned the abstract white felt shape she did in the forest moonlight study into skeletal remains of birds in the final large-scale version. This is a photograph of Eve standing in front of forest moonlight uh, in January of 2016. DNA genetics was her final project, but she didn't finish it. She had a gene or genetic makeup that meant that she could take a particular cancer drug that probably extended her life up to a year longer than expected. But it proved not to be a lifesaver and she died, died January 30th, 2017. Thank you. Uh, it's just really a special day for me to be here, uh, to be able to present her work. I just want to thank you all for being here and sharing that with me. Thank you. If you have any questions, I'm willing to answer them. <laughs> so when you said that, um, you know, with so many of her artwork, you know, Eve wrote, like, she might keep an ongoing journal? Yeah, just kind of various things she had in files. Uh, she kind of left everything for me. She didn't throw things away. Uh, so it's just notes, and she did have journals uh, that I was able to read through and try and match them up sometimes with actual pieces she did. So. And then uh, it was real helpful that she had to do this particular lecture for that one person show. She actually wrote a, quite a few things out for that. And so that was very helpful. <laughs> you see, um, I was interested, I kind of remember this in, during the installation, but was this related to Buddhism? 
Yeah. yeah. Prince of Peace. Was that the title? Uh, well, it's called Re uh, Restoration of the Prince. Oh. I also saw a little Buddha. Um, you know, she sometimes she would write different titles down. And, uh, so I was always trying to find what I thought was the right title. Yeah, because she didn't always, she wasn't always consistent that way. Because I'm not either. But, yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. But she had a, a you know, real interest in spirituality. Because uh, she, because her mother was a Christian scientist early on, you know, she did have an interest in that too. And, I mean, I probably wasn't the best influence with her that way, but, um, but all her life she's in you know Buddhism and stuff and and too. So she had a spiritual interest, and it came out in her work quite a bit. Big piece, that piece. Yeah. Long, long. Yeah. 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 I, I was interested to uh, wonder how she managed to keep so much work hidden from you. Where was it? <laughs> <laughs> was it well, the, the work from Philadelphia, we just. She just put it in rolls and yeah. portfolios, and we just yeah. moved it here and just kind of stored it. And, <laughs> and she never pulled it out. Yeah. Um, and so there were definitely pieces I never saw. And a lot of her writing I never saw. I never saw any of these poems she wrote. Astounding. Never mentioned it to me. Wow. Yeah, so, so a lot of that was discovered. Yeah. Uh, did you study Gestalt when she was studying acting? You know, I don't know the answer to that. Uh, she was a real scholar in like performance art, theater art. She has tons of books and all that. And with her art history background, uh, I mean, that's where she, like, she got her degree in art history. It wasn't studio art. She took some studio classes, but you know, she was took more of a scholarly approach to to art making and the way she conceptualized things was, you know, through the list and writing and and research. You know, she was a research person. We we had totally opposite ways of working. <laughs> So, yeah. Yeah. I was curious about the tea bags. Mm hmm. Just she liked them. Or? Yeah. Uh, you know that. Yeah, it actually kind of started in Philadelphia toward the end of our stay there, and I know. I think so there were other artists starting to work with tea bags too, so it was something I was kind of out there, and I know that that started to bug her after a while, but uh, but she might have seen it being used a bit, and then started working with it herself, and started doing more with the sewing and things. Um, but you know, she liked the just the way it looked, and you know the the smudging and all that that was on there and stuff. You know, rather than doing smudging with charcoal and stuff, it was kind of already there and staining. Yeah. All right. Sure. Was, uh, so her work is haunting and beautiful. Was there a central driver for the fear and the terror that I see that she <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, good question, but... <laughs> You know, I don't really know the answer to that. I mean, you, I don't particularly think we had that fearful of a personal life. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, she had a lot of things going on in her head that she didn't really just, she, it came out in her work. And that was probably a, a, like a safety valve for her, I think, more than anything. She had a lot of, just, you know, like, yeah, there's several pieces down there, fear of hearing, fear of numbers, you know. Uh, and she would talk sometimes about depression, but she didn't really appear to me that way. And, and I, I mentioned that earlier yesterday about going through the dying process. She wasn't fearful at all of that. And she just handled it with grace, and I, I was amazed how she handled that. Yeah. Earlier you said that she liked animals better than humans, but the story, <laughs> her whole journey is about the body of people and great empathy for the human being. Yeah. So that seemed uh, part of her heart and soul, really. Yeah, yeah. She may I... not like us. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, I think she was disappointed in humanity. You know, I think she liked individuals, uh, but I think in terms of what we're capable of doing to other people, she couldn't understand that, really. It bothered her a great deal. Uh, 
and it you know came out in her work. But I do think she had empathy uh, for people and all that. And but she was disappointed that we could be so bad to each other. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm curious, you know, I have such admiration for her work as a teacher. Um, did she leave any record of, you know, her involvement in the college and the things that she did for others there? Not so much. Yeah, that wasn't, uh, yeah, I, uh, yeah, as far as sort of things that I saw of her writing about, she didn't really write so much about the teaching part. Uh, you know, she enjoyed teaching, but actually that wasn't, you know, it was still a job to her. Uh, so it, it wasn't, I wouldn't say that teaching was a passion for her. I think she was very good at it. And I think she didn't give herself enough credit for being so good at it. Um, but... Yeah, 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 I think she was a great teacher. Yeah. Anything else? Yeah, Tim. Uh, I, I sort of uh, noticed that, uh, that uh, uh, you, you, as you, you moved, you tended to move uh, uh, back, back to your home uh, in, in uh, the East Coast. Yeah, um, I was wondering what motivated coming back to the same place at either end. I mean, uh, I'm not exactly sure what what you're asking. <laughs> you know, she um, she wasn't the type to sort of look back or go back. Uh, like when we. You know, she spent time in England, she spent time in Richmond, spent time in Philadelphia. She never went back to any of those places. Um, and she didn't want to, um, for whatever reason. I'm not sure really why. But, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I just wanted to say thank you again and to let you all know that in conjunction with this incredible exhibition, Lanny published a catalog, an incredible catalog that goes in conjunction with this show. And so please take a look at it. We have it downstairs, but it's really, really wonderful. Thank so, you. Thank you.